If you would take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 27. This will be a familiar story this morning, uh, but I hope we hear it with some fresh ears. And uh, it's always something new to find in these stories that are familiar to us, something that will jump out to us. So I pray God would do that this morning. I think it's safe to say that in each of us there's a desire for for blessing, a desire for acceptance or, or blessing. Uh, blessing is a tricky word. For us it often means material blessings. I was blessed by that or you are a blessing to me. Uh, but as we look at the biblical sense of the word blessing, especially in this context, it has a lot to do with with someone saying, in a sense, I, I love you. There's no one like you. You are special, and I'm, I want to give you all of the goodness that I can. So you think about the blessing that's given to Abraham. What is God, in a sense, saying to Abraham? He's saying to Abraham, you, rather than everyone else that's on the face of the earth right now, you are special, you are chosen, and you are called to be a blessing to all others. Just imagine what that would mean to, to Abraham, of everyone, that God says, Abraham, I'm going to bless your family. And that's why in this passage the blessing is so important and why it's fought for and fought over. Um, it's something that was sought after. Because it's not just the announcement of this sort of double portion of material wealth that was part of the blessing. Um, it's also this gift of being in the line of God's promise. But there's also this sense in which Isaac as a father is saying to one of his sons, you are special. There is no one like you. I want to give you all of the goodness and all of the blessing that I can. Don't, don't we want that? Don't we want someone to say that to us? Don't we want God to say that to us? We want it especially from those closest to us. Early on, we, we learn how to seek the approval of others. Um, we want to have them say, I like you. I think you're special. I think that you are unique. We want to be loved and approved of. We want to get the approval of others. Take yourself back to grade school and to middle school and to high school. Isn't that what occupies your mind? You're not learning anything at all. <laughs> You're just trying to fit in, trying to be liked. Isn't that something that we strive for in our families? We want a blessing from our parents or for our, from our friends or from others in our lives. And when that doesn't come, boy, that marks us, doesn't it? It can mark us for the rest of our lives to not have that blessing, to not have that approval from someone else can mark us dramatically. But not only are we seeking blessing from others, but we're seeking blessing from God. We desire the blessing of others, but we desire the blessing of God for God to say to us, I love you, that, that you are special. I want to use you. I want to give you all of the goodness that I can. The problem is for us is that in both of these circumstances, whether it's with other people or with God himself, that we often seek the blessing in the wrong way. We want to receive the blessing in ways that are counter to, to what God wants us to do. So we'll seek it from God, but we'll do it on our own. We'll pursue it in the wrong way. And I think that that's what this passage is, is that it, it teaches us that blessing pursued wrongly brings pain. Blessing pursued wrongly brings pain. Last week we spent some time with Isaac, you remember, and we saw the way that God had blessed him. How he walked in faith. And we ended on this high point, you remember, where, where the kings 
show up and say, we see that God is with you. God has blessed you. They recognize the blessing of God on Isaac, that he keeps digging wells and he finds water in the desert in the midst of famine. And they say, there's no denying that God is with you. And so Isaac is this man who is blessed because of his faith and as he's walking with God. And Isaac gets older and he gets richer. His sons grow older and 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 the whole family is there and you remember sort of the strife that's there as they grow older as they all grow older they they become more distant in some ways from one another or they become closer in some ways than others so Isaac and Rebekah have chosen their favorites Isaac loves Esau and so that relationship probably flourishes as they grow older and and Rebekah has uh, has chosen Jacob, loves him more than any other, and that relationship probably grows. And in the midst of that, uh, I, um, I'm going to get these names confused all morning long, just so you know. <laughs> Esau and Isaac are are probably more more and more separated, and and go, start going their own way more and more. And there's probably some division even within the marriage between Isaac and Rebekah. This this marriage that is marked by love is now there's some sort of division that's going on here. The distance and the closeness within the family is growing in various directions and tension is increasing as they get older. Isaac maybe is just getting a little lazy as he gets older and, and following after God and in walking in faith. And we'll see that played out here. I want to read the whole story. We're going to read all of chapter 27. Um, and as we do that, I just want to give you a few things to keep an eye out for because when you're reading a large chunk, if we can get overwhelmed with everything that's in there. So follow the storyline, but also notice a few emphases. One is an emphasis on relationships. Uh, there's a reminder here of, of how intense family interactions can be. You're going to see a lot of your son, my son, my father, all these emphases. We know who that Isaac is, um, is Jacob's father, but for some reason he always is addressing him as my father, my father. There's this emphasis on those family interactions and how intense they can be. That those that we're related to are the ones that we can often hurt the most. We know that by experience. There's meant to be a sense of shock maybe here to say, he did what to his aging blind father? Really? Or he did that to his brother? Or his mom told him to do that? There's, there's this tension that's there. But not only the strife is intense in families, but also that family love can be so intense that it actually blinds us to what we're supposed to do. Our love for our children or our desire to please our parents can lead us to make extremely foolish choices. So we'll see those that emphasis on relationships. There's an emphasis on the five senses. So kids, what are the five senses? Give me one. Oh, I caught you off guard, didn't I? Yeah, go ahead. Just smell. Just shout them out. Sight. Taste. Hearing, what did I miss? And touch, okay? So those are our five senses. So we're going to look for those. Sight, smell, taste, touch, hearing. This is a very earthy story. It's very rooted in, in who we are as human beings. So look for those as we think about them. Maybe I need to teach my kids the five senses more clearly. I don't <laughs> and finally, there's an emphasis on blessing. And that's that's obvious. So an emphasis on relationship, an emphasis on the five senses, and then there's emphasis on on blessing. So let's read this together. I want to start actually in chapter 26, verse 34. And we'll pick it up from there and read all the way through chapter 27. It says there, When Esau was 40 years old, he took Judith, the daughter of Beeri, the Hittite, to be his wife, and Basemath, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite, 
and they made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son. And he answered, Here I am. He said, Behold, I am old. I I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver, and your bow, and go out into the field and hunt game for me, and prepare for me delicious food, such as I love, and bring it to me, that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau, bring me game and prepare for me delicious food that I may eat it and bless you before the Lord before I die. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock and bring me two good young goats so that I may prepare from them delicious food for your father such as he loves. And you shall bring it to your father to eat so that he may bless you before he dies. But Jacob said to Rebekah his mother, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be mocking him, and bring a curse upon myself, and not a blessing. His mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice, and go bring them to me. So he went and took them, and brought them to his mother, and his mother prepared delicious food, such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her older son, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And the skins of the young goats she put on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. And she put the delicious food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. So he went in to his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? He answered, Because the Lord your God granted me success. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near, that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him, because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. He said, Are you really my son Esau? He answered, I am. Then he said, Bring it near to me, that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him, and he ate. And he brought him wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him, and Isaac smelled the smell of his garments, And blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, Esau, his brother, came in from, the, from, hunt, from his hunting. He also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, let my father arise and eat of his son's game that you may bless me. His father Isaac said to him, who are you? He answered, I am your firstborn. I am your son, your, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled very violently 
and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it all before you came, and I have blessed him. Yes, and he shall be blessed. As soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully, and he has taken away your blessing. Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. Then he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? Isaac answered and said to Esau, Behold, I have made him lord over you, and all his brothers I have given to him for servants, and with grain and wine I have sustained him. What then can I do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be, and away from the dew of heaven on high. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are approaching. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. But the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she went and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau comforts himself about you by planning to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to Laban, my brother in Haran, and stay with him a while until your brother's fury turns away until your brother's anger turns away from you and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereft of you both in one day? Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I loathe my life because of the Hittite women. If Jacob marries one of the Hittite women like these, one of the women of the land, what good will be? Will my life be to me? What a story. Remember, blessing pursued wrongly brings pain. It's probably pretty obvious, but let's think about that. And as we think about that, I want to think about um, a couple of the ways that that blessing is pursued wrongly, and then we'll think a little bit about the pain, and then we'll think about what in the world is God doing in the midst of this whole circumstance. Where is he at? So the first thing I want us to think about is this. Our love of things or people can lead us to disregard the will of God. Our love of things or people can lead us to disregard the will of God. The scene that is said at the end of chapter 26 is Esau continuing in his disregard um, for the covenant and for the blessing of God by marrying Canaanite women. He, he cares nothing for the blessing or for the people of God. He doesn't care about his parents. When he marries these two women, he makes life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. And so we see Esau's character really hasn't changed. He's still driven by his appetites. He acts on impulse. He doesn't consult others. He does what he wants, when he wants, how he wants. And so his marriage to Judith and then to Basemath is because that's what he wanted to do. He doesn't care about the blessing or anything else, and so he does what he wants. He loves himself. The story then of chapter 27 opens with some important details. We're told um, what happens here when uh, when Isaac that it happens when when Isaac was old. 
when Isaac was old, he's at least 100 years old if it's chronological. Esau was 40 in, in verse 34. And you remember how old Isaac was when the twins were born? He was 60, 60 plus 40, 100. So he's at least 100 years old here, though he won't die for another 20 years. But we're told that, that he's old. And the other important detail is that his eyes were dim. He's nearly blind. He can hardly see. And that's what makes this whole ruse possible. If he had not been blind, then the deception couldn't have happened. But because he couldn't see, uh, he could be taken advantage of. We should note also about Isaac that his loves haven't changed. He still loves his older son most, and he still loves food. You remember that's the reason he loved Esau. He loved because he loved to eat of his game. And these two loves are actually intertwined, I would say, and sort of play off each other. Um, that he, that um, he loves Esau because he loves that wild game. And the more that he eats this wild game, the more he loves Esau. It would almost seem that, that his love for food, though, is, is more important. It's repeated over and over again. I don't know if you noticed that. Let's make, we're going to make food in verses, verse 4, verse 9, and verse 14. It says that all, in each of these verses, make me delicious food such as I love. Then in, in verse 9, he said that, you know, to make me some delicious food such as, for your father such as he loves. And then in verse 14, I'm going to prepare some delicious food such as his father's loves so i love Lou's pizza and everyone knows that because i talk about it too much probably but everyone knew it. you know what isaac loves he loves wild game he loves the food that esau brings and it's then out of these two loves that isaac decides that he's going to bless esau i don't think it's wrong for a father to want to bless his son the problem is that not only did esau have no regard for the blessing he didn't care about it not to mention the fact that he had sold his birthright already and he had forfeited the blessing by doing that. He had no right to the blessing anymore. But also the fact that God has made it clear that Esau is not the one that's supposed to receive the blessing. Back in chapter 25, God made it very clear that the older will serve the younger. Who's supposed to get the blessing? Not Esau. Jacob is supposed to get the blessing. That's what's supposed to happen. Isaac knows this. But his loves, his love for food and his love for Esau lead him to disregard the will of God. He wants what he wants. We see shades of Abraham again, I think, who when, when he was told that, that Sarah was going to have a son after they had already tried to have one or had a child through, through Hagar, he says, God, that, that Ishmael would live before you. That, can't you just do the blessing through Ishmael? I love this. This, this boy is my son. God doesn't want to do that. Isaac doesn't even ask God, will you please bless Esau instead of Jacob? No, he just takes matters into his own hands. There's a lot of deception going on here. Isaac seems to be trying to deceive God. I'm going to give the blessing to Esau on my own. I'm going to give it to my firstborn, the one that I love. You think about Esau's loves. Esau's loves make him opposed to the will of God. He is completely opposed. He is a has no interest in the covenant. Isaac love, love, Isaac's loves make him blind to the will of God. He was a man who walked by faith. And yet you see this guy who's, who's maybe blind and he's getting older. And, you know, the one thing that he still loves is, yeah, I just love to eat. And I, and I love talking with my son Esau. And that's what I really love. And so I'm just going to go with that. I, 
and he sort of fades in his faith, as it were. He's blind to the fact that he's rebelling against God. We see that in our own lives, don't we? Our love for things, our love for people can blind us to following after what God wants us to do. It could be that we that we love the things of this earth so much that that's our passion, that's what drives us. It could be something like food, that that's what consumes our day all the time. It could be a hundred different things, but it could also be people. It could be your children. It could be a desire to please your parents. It could be to want to be popular at school. It, it could be to want to not be considered weird by your coworkers. And all of these loves blind us to what the will of God is. And so we get commands like that in 1 John. Don't love the world or the things of the world because the love of the world, the, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, these are all opposed to God. So don't, don't love those things. It's why Jesus has to tell us, if you're going to follow me, if anyone comes to me, this is Luke 14, and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my Disciple, again, he's not saying to, to hate, but rather that your love for me should make your love for everyone else look like hatred. Because the love of father and mother and wife and children and brother and sister can cloud our vision. Just like Isaac's eyes were dim, our eyes become dim. And we don't see God's will. We just see how we can help them, how we can bless our wives, how we can serve our children, or how we can just serve ourselves. Got to watch out for these different desires that come in because in seeking blessing, we could seek it in the wrong way because we desire things or we desire people more than we desire to follow after God. This first scene then ends and you see Rebecca. She hears Isaac's plan. He couldn't see. Maybe his hearing was going as well and he spoke really loud. I don't know. Just imagine if you're 100 years old, that might be the case. And Esau is heading out to the field for the hunt. And you can sort of see her leaning in, you know, listening to the conversation. She hears that it's over and rushes back, you know, to pretend like she's been busy doing something else and not eavesdropping. And Esau walks out and she tries to act as nonchalant as she can until he is out of the field of vision. And then she goes to Jacob and tells him what she has heard and what her plan is and as we watch this scene unfold i think our second thing that we would say is our lack of faith can lead us to deception and manipulation as a way of obtaining blessing that's a long point let me say it again our lack of faith can lead us to deception and manipulation as a way of obtaining blessing I think what's most striking in this passage to me is how active Rebecca is. Jacob is the deceiver. We know that, okay? But he may have come by it honestly because Rebecca sure knows what she's doing in creating this whole ruse. Um, the plan almost seems to be all hers. She's the one that calls Jacob in. Here's what you need to do, Jacob. Again, she's driven by her love for Jacob. And we watch as, just as Jacob had given Esau all these specific instructions, do this, do this, do this. Rebecca, uh, just as Isaac had given Esau specific instructions, Rebecca is going to give Jacob very specific instructions about what she needs to do. And so she tells him, here's what you need to do. 
And then Jacob protests in verse 11. He says, Mom, I can't lie to my dad. I can't deceive him just because he's old and blind. Is that what he says? He says, what if I get caught? I'm smooth. I'm not hairy. So Jacob would be more like me. I can go a couple days without shaving and you wouldn't even notice it. And then Esau would be, since he's not here, I'll use Nate. Uh, You would never mistake Nate and I if you touched our face because Nate has a full beard. So there's, there's a difference between them. And Esau is concerned. He says, I can't do this. I might get caught. And instead of getting a blessing, I'll get a cursing. But Rebecca insists. In fact, she says she will take full responsibility if they are caught. Your curse will be on me. And she says, just listen and do what I tell you to do. Obey me, Jacob. And Jacob obeys. If I was making this a movie, and it's just ripe to be a movie, isn't it? I'd do a split screen at this point, or maybe just kind of go back and forth between a couple scenes. And you sort of start with Esau going out to hunt and to find some wild game, and then you see Jacob going to the flock and picking out a couple goats. And then you see these, so these two sons, there they are, they're obeying their parents' orders, and they're going in opposite directions, as it were. And then maybe, you know, you, you see um, Esau getting ready to, to shoot his bow. And, and, and then Rebecca, you see her sneaking into a room and, and getting Esau's clothes and sort of stealing those. Esau's in the field, maybe, and Rebecca is, is cooking. And so all of this is happening at the same time, and there's tension. When will Esau come back? Will we be able to pull this whole thing off? Notice how deliberate Rebecca is, though, when she has the, the food cooked. Look at verse 15. It says, Then Rebecca, notice who's acting here, Rebecca took the best garments of Esau, her older son, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. Did Jacob put the clothes on? No, Rebecca put the clothes on him. Uh, and the skins of the young goats she put on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. Now just think about that. Esau must have been really Harry, if if you can feel goat skin and mistake it for Esau. So just amazing. But who's in charge? Rebecca is. And she put the delicious food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. I think the, the point of the text is to say, Rebecca was, was doing this. Do this, Jacob. Do this, Jacob. You must do this. And and Jacob, Jacob does what he's supposed to. That doesn't mean Jacob's blameless, because what's he do when he enters in? He comes in and he says, my father, here I am. And his father asks the question, who are you, my son? I am Esau, your firstborn. He just lies to him right out. I mean, he, he lies boldface. It's interesting how parallel actually the words that are, are here from the first part when, when um, Isaac calls Esau and says, my son, he answered, here I am. And then when Jacob goes in and says to his father, my father, and Jacob says, here I am. There's sort of this play on what's going on there, these parallels that are happening. Jacob lies about who he is. And then in verse 20, he this is shocking, isn't it? He invokes the name of the Lord. How did you get it so fast? He says, because the Lord your God granted me success. That's blasphemous. He lies and brings God into it. God gave me success. But who's God? The Lord... Your God. You know, part of the the story of Jacob is to him coming to the place where it's not just Isaac's God, but that 
that the, the Lord God is Jacob's God. And for a long time, it's just going to be your God. In fact, he builds an altar we'll see next week. And he says, if I come back, if you keep me safe, then you will be my God. Jacob's not there yet. He may be the child of blessing, but it's not his God, not the Lord my God, but the Lord your God. But is God being honored by Lord as Lord by anyone? No one is submitting to God's will. No one is saying that you are Lord. None of them is trusting God. Isaac is trusting his senses at this moment. So his eyes can't see. His ears make him a little suspicious. It doesn't sound like Esau. But then his sense of touch and his sense of smell all say something different. And all the while, all he can think about is his taste buds and what he wants to eat. And that's driving him. You can almost hear him say, is that really you, Esau? Man, that smells good. Bring it over here. I'm ready to eat. He's just so distracted by his desire for these things. And so Isaac eats and he drinks and then he blesses his son. He gets one last test in before he blesses him. He says, why don't you come a little bit closer and kiss me? And then when he comes close, uh, Isaac takes a big whiff and he smells that smell of, of Esau's clothes. You know, you've had that smell when you're outside. Sometimes when my kids are outside on a fall day and they come in, you smell like outside. You know, that's what you smell like. And that, that smell was always on Esau. He always smelled like it was outside. Or maybe he smelled like the, the wood that he was always burning and, and cooking this delicious meat. And he just, and, and, and Isaac takes a big whiff of that and says, oh, it's got to be Esau. And he responds to that smell. See, the smell of my son, verse 27, is the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. There's a recalling of the blessing of the land. You're like a field. I'm giving you this field. Then, And then Jacob's love for food shows up in verse, I mean, Isaac's love for food shows up in verse 28. May God give you the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. May God bless you with these things. Esau is who he thinks he's talking to. Then he, he puts everyone under submission to him. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. And be Lord over your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. And then he gives them the Abrahamic blessing. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. He goes through with it. He does it. I mean, he, he thinks this is Esau. And he goes against the will of God and says, I'm going to bless you and not Jacob. Pull back for a minute and think about Rebecca one more time. What's going on with her? She's not ignoring the prophecy of God, is she? She knows that Jacob is the one that's supposed to be blessed. Sure, she loved Jacob more than Esau. That's obvious. But she also knew that it's right for Jacob to receive the blessing. You can imagine maybe arguments that went on between Rebekah and Isaac for years. That Isaac loved Esau more and, and Rebekah kept saying, but don't forget, don't forget, he is not the one that's going to receive the blessing. God said Jacob would. And when she hears him say, Esau, I'm going to bless you, she says, this cannot be. I've got to take matters into my own hands. And that's the problem, is that she doesn't trust God. She doesn't act in faith. She does what she thinks she needs to do. She seeks God's blessing, but she doesn't seek it through faith. How does she seek it? She seeks it through manipulation and deception. If Isaac's actions have shades of, of Abraham then Rebecca's actions look a lot like Sarah, the mother-in-law that she never met, who when she thought she couldn't have a child said, here's a way 
Take Hagar. Have a child through her. That's the solution. And just like Abraham listened to the voice of Sarah and took Hagar and have a child, had a child through her, Jacob obeys his mom. He does what she says. He deceives his own father. Lies to him. I think there's some deep thoughts here about receiving blessing. How do we go about receiving blessing? Do we do it through manipulation and deception? There's a couple questions. Who's, whose voice do we obey? Whose voice do we obey? Who do you listen to? Who has the kind of power over you that Rebecca has over Jacob? There's voices in our lives. It may be from people. It may be from, from institutions. It may be from media, television, radio. Things that, that speak to us and have power over us and we just obey what they say. We, we don't give thought to what God would have us to do. We just listen to them and trust them to a fault. Maybe this, what are our moral absolutes? What are your moral absolutes? What are the lines that you won't cross? If, if Rebecca and Jacob had the line, listen, we can't lie to get God's blessing, well, then they would have never done this. Let's think about lying. Are there places in your life where you're willing to lie to try to receive the blessing? Were you willing to bend the truth a little bit to make sure that your spouse doesn't get upset at you? to bend the truth a little bit, to do a little bit better at work, to kind of fudge on some reports just to say, ah, you know, it's not a big deal. Is there a line for you in that, that I'm going to receive blessing through deception? That's a slippery slope, isn't it? What are the other moral absolutes that you have that you say, listen, I can't do this and expect that God's going to bless me? Just think about what they're saying. We're going to lie to blind old Isaac, and that's how we're going to get God's blessing. How foolish that is. How foolish. We'll think about that more in a second, but just kind of to wrap that up then and to wrap up this story, our disregard, deception, and manipulation lead to despair and division and danger. This is a long way of saying our main idea that to seek, uh, that to, um, to try to find blessing uh, through these wrong means, that, that blessing pursued wrongly brings pain. We'll just say our disregard, deception, and manipulation, those are the ways that we seek blessing wrongly, lead to pain, despair, division, danger. I mean, it's a poignant scene when Esau shows up, isn't it? And And to be honest, the more you read Genesis, the more you realize that Esau is the much more likable character. Jacob is nasty all the time. And for some reason, God keeps blessing him. And Esau, even when they come back together, so Jacob's going to leave for 20 years and then come back, and Esau accepts him, doesn't kill him like he said he was going to do, but welcomes him as a brother. Esau is definitely the more magnanimous, beautiful character in this. And you got to feel for Esau, even though he is profane, even though he cares nothing for the blessing, he comes in and he says, Father, I'm ready to... to Receive your blessing. And Isaac says, what just happened? And there's despair. You just hear him crying out and weeping. Bless me, Father. Bless me. He lifts up his voice and he weeps. And there's total despair on his part. Think about if there were divisions in that family up to this point. My goodness. It's all over now. Can you imagine what that would be like in that home? What would ever happen with Esau and Rebecca's relationship? They're still family, but could Esau ever 
trust his mom again? What about Isaac? Deceived in that way. It's just a mess when we seek blessing. When we seek goodness apart from following what God tells us to do. And, and, and what's, what's even more poignant is, is at the end, what happens to Jacob? Where does he have to go? He has to leave. And what does Rebecca say? Go to my brother Laban for a little bit. A few days. How long is he there? 20 years. Does Rebecca ever see him again? Nope. She dies before he returns. This caused such division and such strife in the family that this son that she loved so much is forced to leave and she never sees him again. This is what happens when we start thinking, I'm going to get blessing and I'm going to do it the way that I think is best. When we love things more than God, when we love people more than God, when we go about it the wrong way, when we manipulate, when we deceive, when we compromise on our moral absolutes, we, we don't get blessing. We get division. We get despair. Danger comes into our lives. Jacob is a hunted man at this point. And you'll see it when he comes back and Esau is coming. We know that Esau is going to accept him, but Jacob doesn't know that. Jacob thinks Esau is going to kill me. It's all over for me if I come back into the land. You know, it's, it's good for us to look at this and we can say, wow, that is messed up. And yet to realize how often we do this and we bring these things into our lives. We bring, the, we bring despair and division and danger when we don't go about seeking the blessing the way that we're supposed to. And you've got to ask sort of a what if at this point, right? What, what if they had chosen faith instead? Let's say Isaac doesn't. I mean, what should Isaac have done? He should have submitted to the word of God. He should have said, listen. Jacob is the one who is supposed to be blessed. Whether I love Esau more or not, that's what's supposed to happen. So that's the first fault. But what could Rebecca and Jacob have done? Couldn't they have chosen faith instead? Are they really stealing anything? No, because God told them Jacob will be blessed. That's what's going to happen. They didn't steal anything. It was already theirs because God told them. And that promise is sure, but they said, we got to get it. And so they, they sought it instead of by faith. You know, I mean, think about what could have happened. Esau goes out. He can't find anything. It means he's a skilled hunter, but God causes it such that there's no animal to shoot. He comes back late at night and he says to Isaac, I found nothing. I'll go out tomorrow. And he goes out the next day. Nothing. And slowly God begins to work on Isaac's conscience. And Rebecca has the opportunity to come and say, you know what? Maybe, the, maybe God's telling us something. You're trying to bless Esau, and that's not what we're supposed to do. You know, we assume that this is the only way. And in the midst of circumstances, we think, well, the only way is for me to step in and do something. And there are times where we need to be active, okay? Faith isn't just sitting back and letting go and letting God and saying, do whatever you want, God. But it, it, there are times when we need to step in and act in faith. But there are times when we say, well, that's certainly not the way to go about it. This, you know, to, to compromise things or to deceive others, that's not the way to get the blessing of God. And in fact, Joseph is going to stand as a contrast to this couple, aren't they? Isn't he? He, he shows up. He's promised a blessing. You will be blessed. He, this dream. Everyone's going to bow down to you. And Joseph isn't perfect. It's pretty close. But he doesn't manipulate the situation at all. He gets in, he gets thrown in jail. Uh, he he's forgotten by people. He's thrown in the pit by his brothers. And all the time, it, the text continues to tell us, but God was with Joseph. God was with Joseph. He was walking with him. And what happens at the end? His brothers and his father come 
and bow down before him. It came true because of his faith. So blessing pursued wrongly brings pain. And if that's true, then how do we seek blessing? And our seeking blessing from others, how do we do it without being manipulative or deceptive or simply seeking our own interest? How do you, how do you seek blessing from others? I, let me just give you three thoughts that are very simple. And there's, they're not all that there is. One is, in the midst of those circumstances, we can say, is this done out of love for God? Is this done out of love for God? What if Isaac would have asked that question? Am I loving God in this? Am I honoring God in this? No, I'm ignoring God. I'm choosing my own way in this. What if Esau would have said, am I loving God? No, he certainly wasn't. And, 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 and for us, as we walk through life, is this the way that I'm seeking this blessing? Is it done out of love for God? Is it done out of love for others? Is it done out of love for others? What if Rebecca and Jacob had said, are we loving Isaac in this? Are we serving Isaac in this? Are we laying down our lives for Isaac in this? No. Are we serving Esau? Yeah, we don't like Esau. But are we serving him? No. We're supposed to love him and to love others and to love our enemies. And, and finally, is this done out of faith? Am I doing this out of faith or am I just trying to manipulate the situation through my own power? I think those will hopefully serve us well in everyday mundane decisions of life. Our stove went out and we were trying to figure out how do we deal with this? What do we do? And how do you walk in faith when you're supposed to buy a stove, you know? And I guess maybe these, am I loving God? Am I honoring God in the midst of trying to make this decision? Am I coming to him? Am, am I loving others? Am I trying to manipulate someone? And am I going to call up my landlord and, you know, make them feel like they should give it to me? Am I walking in faith? Am I trusting that God's the one that's going to provide this for me? That's a mundane thing. But there's other ways to, that we're seeking God that I think these principles would help us. What if we're seeking the blessing of God, though? I, I think just to sort of wrap this up is to think about God's sovereign control over all of this. What a mess, you know? I mean, this is just, in the modern vernacular, it's a hot mess. It's, it's terrible. I mean, what's going on here? Everyone is deceiving everyone. No one is doing what is right. No one is walking in faith. Everyone is being foolish and selfish. But who gets the blessing? Isaac does. Who was supposed to get the blessing? I mean, I'm, Jacob does. And who was supposed to get the blessing? Jacob was supposed to get the blessing. That's who was supposed to. So God does what he was supposed to do. Does that mean that Rebecca was right and Jacob were right? No, certainly not. It's just a testimony to the fact that God causes good to come out of evil. And God blesses wicked, nasty people like Jacob, like you, and like me. God can use a situation like this to bring himself glory. God is faithful when we are faithless. When we have no faith, God is faithful to us. How do we know the blessings of God? We receive blessings. Not through our own efforts or who we are, but we receive it through Christ. Where's the gospel in here? Tim Keller helped me out last night, just thinking, listening to him. 
as Jesus seeks God's blessing for us, he is the better Rebecca. Jesus is the greater Rebecca. Jesus comes to us. He doesn't clothe us with goat skins. He clothes us with himself. He clothes us with his righteousness. And in doing that, what does he make us? He makes us the firstborn. Makes us the firstborn, the one that can receive the blessing. And he doesn't use any deception in doing it. He does it perfectly right. He doesn't, he doesn't compromise his justice. He doesn't compromise his integrity. He doesn't compromise anything about who he is, but he comes and he's able to give us his righteousness by faith so that we can be the firstborn, so that we can receive blessing. And he says with the words of Rebecca, your curse be on me. Jesus is the one who takes the curse that we deserve because we've manipulated, we've deceived, we've gone about trying to get the blessing of others and the blessing of God in our own strength and in a way that 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 dethrones God. And so God in Christ takes all of the curse that is due to us on himself by dying on the cross. Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree and Christ is lifted up as the curse. He is the one who dies to take our curse for us. Jesus doesn't command us to lie, does he? Like Rebecca told Jacob, lie about this. Obey me. No, Jesus tells us to speak the truth, to be completely honest about who we are, that, we're li- that we are lying and deceiving and sinful people, to confess our sins so that he can take that punishment for us. And then how do we receive the blessing of salvation? By manipulation? By deception? No, by faith. We trust. We believe what God has done for us in Christ. That's the hope that we have. I don't know, maybe that's you today. You've spent your whole life trying to manipulate God into loving you. Trying to say, God, I'm worthy for you to accept me because of all these things. You know, that's like walking into God's presence with a bunch of goat skins on yourself. Trying to say, look at me, I'm I'm not me. I'm someone different. That God's going to look at you and he's not going to... God is not blind like Isaac. God sees through it. And so if you keep coming to God and you keep trying to present yourself as someone that you're not and think that he's going to accept you and give you salvation because of that, realize that what he wants you to do is to take all of that off and to come and to say, this is who I am. I'm Jacob. I'm a liar. I'm a deceiver. And then he comes and he says, that's, that's what I want you to do. And I accept you by faith. By what my, my son has done, he clothes us with his righteousness. And he gives us salvation. Uh, there's so much more here. We'll be in the resurrection next week, but we might come back to Genesis 27. I don't know. There's so much rich things to think about here. But let's walk away in the in the truth that If we seek God's blessing wrongly, it just brings pain. But if we would seek it by faith, then there is everlasting joy and God will bless us.